You're listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature. Hi, this is Father Mark Bulos, and you are listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature podcast. In today's program, Father Paul notes that God continues his promise in spite of Abram, touching briefly on the epistle for the Sunday before Christmas from St. Paul's letter to the Hebrews. I am happy to introduce Father Paul on the Bible as Literature podcast, Tarazi Tuesdays. Last week, I covered the whole cycle of Abram as I presented it. I just noticed that it's really a full cycle before the introduction of Abraham in chapter 17 with circumcision. But it's worthwhile to go through Genesis chapter by chapter. It's really loaded, and as I said it so many times, being the first book of the Bible it introduces and by the same token defines the vocabulary that's very important to remember one example which is striking that i had on at least one podcast namely that mishpaha the family the clan the first time it appears it is in conjunction with animals and thus we have to submit to the fact that in the Bible we are viewed like the animals as the animals are and not anthropocentrically that we are what we are and then we view the animals as being like us, which is the classic mistake between parents and children. And so. so let's go to the text and see what we find, and as usual, I shall stress the Hebrew. It's very important. So we go verse by verse. So Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and lot with him into the Negev, which is the south part of Palestine. Now notice the terminology in verse 2. Now Abram was very rich in cattle, silver, and gold, on the back of the Egyptians. <laughs> That's very interesting to remember. Israel will do that again later. But let's concentrate on the vocabulary. The very rich in the original is kabed me'od, and kabed is the same root as kabod. Very important to remember that. So he was heavy in that sense, very important, full of glory. Remember the very Mu'od. And that already is not good. So we shall see slowly on that Abram and later Abraham are not as good as we would like them to be. And that will protect always the scriptural thesis that God does things in spite of the human beings. He continues in spite of Adam, he continues in spite of Noah, and now he continues 
his promise in spite of Abram. Very important, this brings to mind Hebrews, where all these great people that were faithful, you know, could not attain totally the place of rest because God has established that they would have to wait for us. And that is very important. Another point I stress all the time, the kingdom is not yet. It is coming. We shall enter all together. So this whole theory about saints that are already in the kingdom is anti-scriptural. We have to wait. And he journeyed on. It's the verb halak. Hitalek, as we shall see, is kept for the command of the Lord for him to walk according to his will. He walked as far as Bethel. So he went back to Bethel. And the author says it plainly. I like the times when the author puts his dig by reminding you, in case you have forgotten, to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai. Very important the mention of tent. In a few verses we shall hear time and again repeatedly that both he and Lot were shepherds. So right there from the beginning. Shepherdism is at the heart of the matter. And the interesting thing, and I'll come back to that, that this chapter 13 covers the three crimson threads of the Bible, according to me. Shepherdism, nations, and Canaan. So it's really more central than I assumed until I prepared this podcast. Very important. So the place between Bethel and Ai, it's another curveball here. This Ai will appear in Joshua again. And very important, Professor Roddy tries to remind everybody that Ai in the Hebrew means rubble. You remember in Joshua, they attacked a city that was rubble and they could not conquer it. So Bethel is linked with Ai because later Bethel will become the central religious shrine of the kingdom of Israel, kingdom of the north. And it is not good at all. We hear attacks on it by all the prophets. So all these additional names are very important. Again, I really beg my reader, if I point this to them, They should not make the effort every time to understand why a strange name is there. Just wait. You'll get to it on your own. And that's my thesis. The scripture is so clear that it doesn't need to be explained. That's why the judgment is very hard. Everybody can understand. But you have to wait a little bit. You have to wait. To the place where he had made Let's hear it, which is again another negative point, an altar at the first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Okay, the place where he had made in Hebrew is Bana. He has built an altar. Now, the author stresses in his own way 
the negativity, the negativism of this building of the altar, through his addition, Abram called on the name of the Lord. Now, when you compare this with Seth, in whose time, for the first time, humans called upon the name of the Lord, you do not have a building of an altar, in spite of the fact that earlier Abel did make his offering supposedly on an altar. So, very nice curveball. So, already we see here how the patriarchs are no better than their progeny who will bring the matter to its end by building huge temples and buildings. But they started it, and at the end I shall make a comment in preparation of Jacob. And Lot, who went again Halak with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. Notice the terminology again. The tents, there are shepherds, so that the land could not support both of them dwelling together. And notice the reason, for their possessions were so great. Rokusham Rab, remember that word, Rab, big, great, grow, it's the same verb that was used in chapter 16 negatively. God wanted the human beings to multiply through their progeny, but slowly on they multiplied their possessions and through their possessions their power. The result being that they could not dwell together. Fantastic! That is the reason. It is not that the land could not support them, but they had too many possessions. And the following verse gets us a full strike. And there was strife. In Hebrew, strife is the verb rib. Father Mark would love that. The connection between two. But it's not the same meaning, Father Mark. But still, that's the choice of the author. Rib. Strife. It is used in the prophets also when a judge has a strife with the one accused, okay, in a court of law that totally opposed Reb between the herdsmen of Abram's cattle and the herdsmen of Lot's cattle. So clear how Ro'im comes time and again. They were shepherds. Which brings me to say that scripture is very cunning to the extent of being nasty. It's not because shepherdism is better than kingdoms and kingship that by definition a shepherd is better than a king. No way, says not only Jose, but scripture. Remember Ezekiel chapter 34. And that is the downfall of all kinds of Jews and all kinds of Christians. It is by definition that I am better. But that's 
the sin of the human being who always thought under the, always, I don't know, but definitely under the influence of Plato, that being a human being is by definition better than being an animal. No way. And see where the strike comes from. I really love this text. I'm enamored with it, you could tell. At that time, the Canaanites and the Perizzites dwelt in the land. Now, where is the strike here? That earlier we heard that at that time, the Canaanites dwelt in the land. And now we have two nations. Obviously, as I explained last time, Perizzites is to spread over and so on. It is a made-up name just to make it more impressive. But still, the fact that we do not have the full ten nations as we shall have at the end of 14, just two, when you read it in conjunction with the previous verse 6, you hear that Abram and Lot, who are kinsmen, they are related. Abram is the uncle of Lot, and due to their possessions, they could not live together. And yet, two nations were dwelling together in the land. Magisterial. Magisterial. Then Abram said to Lot, notice how the division. Later we shall have the same thing between Israel and Judah. Let there be no strife is another noun from the same root as Rib, strife, Meribah, which is going to be the name of a place where the people had a strife with God. Between you and me and between your herdsmen, notice the addition of Ru'im. And my herdsmen, Ru'im, for we are kinsmen. But the kinsmen is brothers. That is something very important for us to remember. All the silly discussion between Catholic and Orthodox on one hand and the Protestant where Jesus had brothers and so on. It's a loss of time. Brothers is the way later we shall hear that the priests are the brothers of Aaron. It doesn't mean that they are his brothers. Is that they are members of one community. But what is interesting is that in the case of Abram and Lot, they are genetically related. But the two other nations, Canaanites, Perizzites, and later the full ten, including the other eight, are not related, and yet they behaved like brothers. Let's make a jump to the New Testament when Jesus said to the people around him, Who are my mother and my brothers and sisters? See how the New Testament did not bring anything new, as all over we have, especially in the first letter of John. It's just, it's the same message that is communicated to the nations. Is not the whole land before you. Separate yourself. This is hippared. Hippared from the same verb farad, which is a positive word of spreading. Okay, but notice how here it is on the borderline between farad and foots as we discussed earlier.
when we read Genesis 10 and 11. If you take the left hand, then I will go to the right, and if you take the right hand, then I will go to the left. So it was a peaceful arrangement. The addition of hand, it's because in the Semitic languages, that's how we speak about the right and the left. Okay, you are on my right hand and my left hand, although the word hand is not mentioned. It's just a feminine adjective. And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw that the Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt in the direction of Zoar. I spoke earlier on this by saying that it is presented as the garden of Eden, but already we have the curveball here. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, meaning that the author is planting in your mind that we are going to hear about a repeat of Genesis 2-3. Thus, ultimately, Lot, Abram are no better than Noah, who's no better than Cain, who's no better than Adam. You see how scripture works. But then, you know, my hearers, I hope they'll just put the tapes in English. We are in English is okay. So long as you keep hearing it. Okay. And hopefully one day listening to my podcast, you'll make the effort to learn Greek and much better Hebrew. Hopefully, but it works if you know it as a totality. So Lord chose for himself all the Jordan Valley. It was his choice and Lot journeyed east, and thus they separated from each other. Notice how the Hebrew says, although it is positive compared to foods, but notice, from over his brother, from with his brother. So we have a separation between the two. In other words, Abram and Lot behaved like the nations in 10 and 11. They are different. They have to live in different parts, although originally they are part of the same family. Again, that's the author's way to prepare you for the very negatively striking story of the division of one kingdom into two. Remember how you had two kingdoms, they were united under David, and then after Solomon they were separated, so that ultimately they would be reunited together with the nations in Ezekiel. So that's what attracted me when I was preparing this chapter 13. I zeroed in on the Hebrew and everything was there. The Bible as Literature is a production of the Ephesus School Network.